Just in the past month or two, I've seen multiple podcasts about the same subject that this one's going to be about. How about that? But uh, it's good as mine's totally different. Uh, we talking sneakers, Nike versus Adidas, bitches. Why Nike versus Adidas? Well, sneakers are interesting because they're probably the best example of how... Uh, How can culture impact a product? Well, I mean, sneakers are probably the most obvious example of that, right? Ed Jordan kind of made that a thing. I mean, before that, there were, you know, the Converse's, the Dr. J's. Adidas superstars were kind of big, but the Jordan came out before they got really big. And, you know, it's that Jumpman 23 that kind of set this whole shit off, you know what I mean? So I'm going to talk about some sneakers. I was actually down in Miami recently. Miami, Florida. Florida. And uh, first of all, South Beach is a fucking circus now. Nobody told me. Nobody told me. I was expecting it to be wild, but it's like... It's like the Jay-Z Big Pimpin' video mixed with like MTV Spring Break. That's basically what it's like right now. Uh, it was wild. It was cool to see it, though. It was cool to see it, but while I was down there, I went into an Adidas store just to check it out, maybe get myself a Sylvania. And uh, it was really interesting looking at their products because like, you can really look at everything and be like, Okay, this was the strategy and this is the end product and you can, you know, make your own opinions on where things fell flat or where they hit the nail on the head with their current inventory of sneakers and clothes. Um, they got this new disrupt model. I don't know if you guys seen it if you're into sneakers. It's like the shoe sort of like the NMD, but it's covered in nets, it's like fish net almost. It's really weird. I don't get it. Um, I think the all-white one looks kind of cool, but the rest of them are just kind of weird. Look up Adidas Disrupt if you want to check it out. But the point is, is <coughs> excuse me, they're clearly going for something here. They are clearly trying to push the envelope forward and create new stuff. To me, it reminds me of like when an artist comes out with an experimental album kind of like Kanye West with 808s and Heartbreaks or uh, John Frusciante from the Red Hot Chili Peppers entire solo career things like that where it's like really hit or miss but at least they're trying and they are trying to go out of the box and that's what got them their initial spike when they first launched the NMD and Ultra Boost a few years back now 
I mean, it's interesting, man. It's really interesting some of the stuff they're trying out now. Nike kind of came back and got some of their swagger back with some of their newer models, and they're still killing it um, when it comes to the basketball shoes. But I kind of, I just like what Adidas is doing. Even some of the stuff I don't like, I still like as an attempt, you know, like as as just a shot at trying to do something new. I just feel like Nike stuff is so stale, stale, man. It's so stale. Anyway, but the point is, is I want to take kind of a look at the history of this battle, which has mostly been dominated by Nike. Like, let's keep it real here. Sneaker market isn't what it is now. You know, the whole hype beast culture, like none of that was a thing. It was sneakers were utilitarian until like the, the mid eighties. That's kind of when the first inkling of all this shit started. Um, but it was also a clothing thing originally, like, like starter jackets and Georgetown Hoyas, things like that. Um, but not the same status sneakers, you know, what Jordan did was huge and it really created a shift in culture. So all I want to talk about is how pop culture affects things and how you can kind of unpack it as a, as a strategy that may have some tangible benefit. That's all I'm going for. That was a lot of bullshit office speak. I'm aware of that. I'm sorry. I'm fucking sorry. But still, I'm going to go through it anyway. Because sometimes I'm in a fucking office all day and it's the only way I can convey concepts. So every now and then I'm going to get a little office speaky. It is what it is, brah. I don't care. But sneakers, Nike versus Adidas. It's pronounced Adidas, by the way. You Americans, you damn Americans pronouncing shit wrong. Adidas. And also, did you know that the factory where Adidas headquarters is... Puma is in the same town, and it's a tiny little town that I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to try to, but the brother, uh, two brothers that originally founded Adidas, um, one of them went and founded Puma, so that's why they're in the same small German town. It's pretty coach trivia, if I do say so myself, but anyway, what's the point of that ramble? The point of that ramble is to just get into this Nike versus Adidas timeline. So it's really interesting because sneakers are kind of the best case study for evaluating everything that I've talked about in the first three episodes so far. Um, Nike's been kind of killing it over Adidas for a while now. And it's mostly because of consistency. They dominated market share the past decade, not even close, particularly the first part of the past decade. And uh, Adidas has been playing catch up since they realized they were asleep at the wheel and have been coming back pretty steady. But you know, in the past 10 years, like that's a lifetime when it comes to making products for all people but a culture driven by young people um, because things change all the time. Trends shift. It's fashion. It's product, whatever. Um, I, there's this cool little infographic that High Subsonity came out, or High Snobiety. I don't know. It's, I've been going to this website for years, but I never said it out loud, so I can't pronounce it, and it isn't the easiest name to pronounce. High snobiety. Um, they 
years ago, so back in November of 2015, they came out with this really cool visual infographic on uh, Nike versus Adidas. Sorry if I'm still going through puberty. Jesus, Sean, get it together. Um, and it kind of documents market capitalization, but through visuals, they got an illustrator to kind of illustrate it all out. It's pretty cool. Um, but if you look at the timeline, they have horizontally the year, and then they have the market cap. Jesus, happened again. They have the market cap in billions going up to 90 billion. Um, and they start at 2001. And what's interesting is right now, I think Nike has like 70 something percent of the market of the sneaker market which is absurd um but what's funny is in terms of market cap in 2001 they were pretty even and nike had 3.9 so 3 point almost 4 billion dollars in market cap and adidas had 3.6 billion dollars and this timeline documents um, really popular events that took place. Like 2001, Herbert Hainer takes over as Adidas CEO. 2002, Nike buys Hurley, estimated 100 million, 140 million. 2003, Nike buys Converse, and Y3 um, launches for Adidas, and David Beckham signs a $160 million lifetime contract with Adidas. 2004, Nike buys Starter. For 43 mil, and Phil Knight steps down as CEO. 2005 to basically be an Oregon University of Oregon football booster. Uh, 2005, Jordan launches the 20th year shoe, and Adidas signs Lionel Messi and launches Impossibles. Nothing campaign. Blah 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 blah. blah. Anyway, it's just a timeline that kind of documents these important events. But what's interesting is they're even-ish. Um, until 2005, and then 2005 is when the split started, and Nike started pulling away there. Um, in 2005, they had 15.9 billion market cap, compared to 10.96 billion for Adidas. And then from there, Nike kept gradually going up, and Adidas kind of went up and down. 2006 to 2007. They went up from nine billion to thirteen and a half bill, but then they dropped down to seven point six bill, two thousand eight. So something happened between two thousand seven and two thousand eight with Adidas, where they kind of just crapped the bed, and Nike took off somehow in two thousand nine. They went from twenty two billion to sixty three point forty five billion. That's crazy. I did some. Very, very quick research on that. I couldn't really find any reason why 2009 was such a big year for Nike. I mean, the economy was in a bad place at that time. So maybe, I don't know, people spend more money on sneakers and less on everything else. Like the Yeezy launched. The first Yeezy, on the Nike Yeezy. Um, but that would not contribute to this ridiculous amount of market cap because adidas even in 2009 to 2010 went up they went from um 10 to almost 11 bill to 14 and a half billion but from 2009 2010 nike went from 22 to 63.45 so 
I don't know why. I don't know how. Maybe you, maybe it uh, is driven still by basketball shoes at that point. What's weird to me is I thought lifestyle shoes was starting to take over as the main sneaker market driver, but this still might be a time when basketball shoes were still running shit. Um, I mean, you had the Jordan brand at that time, killing it, and then I think 2009-ish is when LeBron started entering his prime, Kevin Durant started entering his early prime, um, maybe that did it, I don't know, maybe the sneaker sales between uh, LeBron and uh, Kevin Durant, but, but Kevin Durant... Oh, Kevin Durant went to Under Armour later. Never mind. Wait, no, he didn't. What am I saying? That's Steph Curry. Sorry, I'm getting people confused here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm looking up the Kevin Durant sneaker now. I'm so out of the basketball sneaker scene these days. Like, I used to be all about that. And uh, I've just fallen off. I know the Hardens, uh, the Adidas Hardens. But, yeah, Kevin Durant was always Nike. What the f- I got I got him confused with Steph Curry for a minute. Um, but anyway, between Kevin Durant emerging as a player and LeBron becoming like the brand LeBron and not just the future star LeBron, that might have been part of it. And then maybe they just started coming out with some casual models that like took off in China. Because the thing that's interesting about all this is the best-selling sneakers a lot of the times are not the hype beast sneakers at all. Um, I remember reading an article recently about the best-selling sneakers of, I think, last year. And it was the Nike Tangen, Tangen, um, which is a really basic sneaker. It looks good. Like, it looks cool, but it's very basic. Kind of like the, the Roche, Nike Roche ones or whatever they're called. Uh, the Roche runs they're very basic but look cool but it's funny is the name Tangen that translates uh, in some language I forget which one it translates to simple or simplicity and uh, you know they sell them at Kohl's places like that and it's the highest selling sneaker of the year so kind of goes to show that like simple effective utility based sneakers is still, you know, what bring brings home the dollars at the end of the day, even though all this hype's created from these more premium Jordan models and, uh, you know, Vapor Maxes and all the Supreme collabs and the Virgil Abloh off-white collabs and the blah, 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 blah. All that stuff's cool. I like that stuff. I never buy any of it, but I do like it from a distance. Most I'll do is probably like some Jordan ones or an Ultra Boost or something like that. But, but, but it's also cool to know that the basic stuff at the end of the day still bring is still what brings in the most revenue. And there's this kind of symbiotic relationship within one brand. So sort of like how high the cycle of high fashion to like Walmart. Nike has that same type of ecosystem where one kind of leverages off of the other down the chain, down the chain, down the chain, but they do it all in in one brand under one company. Nike releases the premium stuff, gets the really uh, 
people within the culture are really interested on the new jobs, creates free marketing for them on blogs, and that is free marketing, free marketing, free marketing, and then eventually their overall brand sentiment remains high, even though Nike hasn't really been putting out anything that crazy. They're just starting to come out with more innovative stuff, but for a while now, Adidas is killing them on the innovation side in terms of offering new things. Like most of what Nike was offering was re-releases, you know, limited editions, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then doing like modern versions of old school silhouettes. Um, but what's crazy, what was my point? My point was that because they still do these collabs in the scene and because they branch into other things like college football equipment, um, always with the soccer equipment, things like that, their overall brand sentiment remained strong, remained dominating, even though they weren't really coming out with anything that innovative until they had to play defense and retaliate to what Adidas was doing. They had this really good system of remaining dormant, but still doing enough to keep their brand sentiment at a high level, even at a low level of innovation. And then they can churn out moments of high level innovation when they need to invest in those resources to combat an Adidas. That seems to be Nike's model since they've become you know, a superpower post Air Jordan. And by that, I mean post Michael Jordan as a player coming out with new releases every year. Because, like, to me, the golden age of Nike was, like, the early 90s with the Spike Lee commercials. And then they started doing really innovative stuff at the time from their advertising with other other players' sneakers, like like the old-school Penny Hardaways with Chris Rock doing the little Penny voice from that shit. It was like a little, like, little crackhead Penny Hardaway. And they had Tyra Banks as the girl walking down the street. And then they did like the slow motion uh, pickup game. And they had Penny Hardaway doing these like really elegant moves to, to like get in the paint and dunk it. And then Tyra Banks and everyone stopping and watching. Like those commercials are hilarious. You know what? I'm going to bring that up right now. I'm going to bring that up right now. Pardon my clicks. I need to get a trackpad. I'm seriously behind the eight ball with getting a trackpad because I know this sounds annoying as hell. Um, but got to make do in the meantime because I'm doing this on an iMac, not a laptop. Yeah, here it is. Lil Penny. Nike Lil Penny classic commercial. Let's see. Dude, he crushes. Lil Penny's in crutches. <laughs> Hold on, let me fix this. I think that's Tyra Banks. The girl's ice cream dripping. Penny Hardaway. He's going for the dunk. Tyra Banks is blowing bubbles and shit. Tyra Banks is bored. 
You know what? Honestly, that was kind of a crappy commercial. I take that back. I thought it was cool at the time. I take that back. It's not that good. It's a cool setup. It's pretty, uh, the tone of it is pretty cool for a sneaker because usually sneakers, it's like the cliche is like in being inspiring and dramatic and everything. And it's a lot more lighthearted. But there's no narrative to it. I think. I changed my mind again. No, that was an awesome commercial. I just put it together. Jesus, I didn't put it together at all. That was a genius commercial. Holy shit. So Tyra Banks... I was trying to talk and watch it at the same time and, like, half paying attention to both. Man, it's hard to be one person producing this thing. Anyway, no complaining. So what happened was Chris Rock's little penny was trash-talking in crutches, which gave him a reason to trash-talk to the court. Tyra Banks walked back in slow motion. The expectation was to everyone focus on her and watch her, but Penny Hardaway had such nice moves in the paint that everyone just watched Penny Hardaway and his Nike stole the attention from Tyra Banks and then she got bored and sat on the bench. Can't really do it now. Slightly sexist, but, you know, in the context of the early, mid-90s, that was a pretty cool commercial. And I don't remember Adidas doing anything close to that, nor do I remember there being any hype around Adidas at this time. I was probably, like, in second grade. The only Adidas people were buying were the Samba soccer shoes, which people always buy they buy now, too. Um, that is super. I haven't seen that in 20-something years. Damn, son. Anyway, it's, it's super easy, though, to see from an advertising standpoint how Nike kind of just dominated. They were so much better. They knew, you know, the Just Do It slogan is classic, of course, but when it came to their commercial advertising back then, it's it's actually interesting looking at that market cap chart that they didn't dominate more in the early 2000s. It's really interesting that they were kind of leveled at that point. If those stats are right, it might all be bullshit. Who knows? Anyway, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was Adidas' comeback strategy, because that was maybe the first business example I can ever think of of um, me paying attention to advertising and being like, whoa, that is amazing advertising. I remember these Nike ads back in the day and I liked them when I was six or whatever, but obviously I was too young to even understand them on any level. The Adidas ads that started popping up around um, 2011-ish, they had this one ad that was um, the main ad for their all-in campaign where they had like Katy Perry and B.O.B. Remember B.O.B. before he was a flat earther? Um, And they had David Beckham. They had, I think, Dwight Howard. A bunch of celebrities. And... At the time, Justice is this electronic group out of Paris, France, and they were really big at that time. They're one of the first really big electronic acts besides Daft Punk. And uh, 
the lead single for their second album was used in this commercial before it was even out. They hired Justice's music video director. Um, his name is Romain Gavras. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he also did a video for MIA that was super controversial called Born Free, where they basically just depicted concentration camps, but instead of it being you know, a bunch of black people or Jews or something like that, when they were publicly executed, um, she did it with redheads as like a statement of like how gingers can be persecuted or anyone can be persecuted based on appearance. I don't know. But he got a lot of heat for that. He got a lot of heat for this justice video called Stress where he did this kind of clockwork orange thing where they had these gangs just causing mayhem, abusing people in the streets, trashing restaurants. And it was just very raw and gritty and the song was very raw and gritty. So it was super controversial at the time. So they hired him to direct this all-in video that was awesome. I'm not going to play it because you can't see anything, but I highly recommend if you want to see the best ad ever, Adidas 2011 Justice Civilization ad. Amazing. And I was getting into music production heavy at that time, and I saw this, and I was like, holy shit. They put it all together in an ad that I actually want to see, and I've probably seen that ad 50 times just watching it on YouTube. It's so good. But since then, that was kind of the launching pad for them teaming up with Pharrell, um, eventually getting Kanye West and the whole Yeezy takeoff. Um, you know, some of their new Ultra Boost models, Boost technology. Like that was just a short time after that. And then also the return of their retro models, like the Superstar and Stan Smith becoming really big again. And I don't know what triggers it. It could be something else in fashion. Um, it could be, you know, the leisure sneaker being the main driver now as opposed to like the basketball sneaker or the performance sneaker might be due to a shift in in fashion in general i'm not a big enough fashion head to really analyze that on any level but to me it's just interesting how the evolution of these things can take place like when nike was dominating in the 90s they were still mostly known for like like they had you know their their casual models but like the hype was all behind their basketball shoes and then also some other things like when michael johnson wore those gold shoes in the olympics those gold nike track shoes that were awesome um and then somehow the lifestyle thing it might have been tiger woods maybe when when nike sponsored tiger woods i remember that being a landmark moment too I don't know exactly how this shift occurred, but I remember just organically people started rocking the Adidas superstars a lot more and got Adidas more popular. Stan Smith started getting super popular, kind of when American Apparel took off, the whole like American Apparel with Adidas, Stan Smith, or superstars look. Like when I walk around Canal Street in the city, I was just seeing that every summer for a good three or four summers like that was the outfit and I don't know why but it's interesting that Adidas was able to steal some of the thunder back from Nike um, because of the emergence of like their leisure wear sneakers because they invested in non-athletes as their sponsors you know Kanye West and Pharrell and people like that even flat earth ass B.O.B. back in the day and Katy Perry like 
they really realize they're not going to win in the athlete-to-athlete market, um, particularly, like, getting the, the athletes that are at the pinnacle of their sport, like a LeBron James. Um, so they went, particularly with basketball, since basketball is the main driver. Um, you know, they went and signed James Harden years ago, and now James Harden this year is going to be the MVP. So, like, Adidas is making some really smart moves when it comes to who they sign and sponsor, it's just interesting for me to see what's going to happen in the future because Adidas was creeping up on them, creeping up on them a little bit, but this year Nike kind of dominated. Jordan Retros got really popular from a trend standpoint. I don't know if they can sustain that because to me this really just seems more like a trend thing. Excuse me. Than anything else, I'm seeing retro Jordan ones everywhere. And Adidas is making some really smart decisions with who they invest in. And I mean, this disrupt thing looks pretty crappy. Their new leisure wear shoe, but all of their other shoes, like the James Hardens, look pretty damn nice. So the main takeaway is like, be honest with yourself. You know, Adidas crapped the bed for ten years in America, at least. They were still dominating in Europe, but. In America, like, when I was in high school, pretty much Adidas was nothing. Like, no one was wearing Adidas. Um, Unless, like, as, like, gym wear, you might wear some Adidas stuff. But that's about it. And I think Adidas, on top of stealing, not stealing, but swaying designers to leave Nike, providing more flexibility, more creativity from a design environment, because they took two of Nike's top designers. They got Kanye West because they gave him more creative control. They opened... uh, a design shop in Brooklyn that they're doing some of their more cutting edge stuff in. Um, so they set up that infrastructure, right? They set up a place for creativity to, to kind of breathe in and cultivate in, um, you know, an environment that's conducive to creating new cool stuff. Um, they, they, you know, they, they realized they had to do that and they did that and they got the right people in place but they also invested in the right people. Uh, now it just might be a time game. You know, I want to see if they can, in basketball, penetrate Nike's dominance on any level. Any level. Like, because James Harden is ascending ascending to the top of the food chain in the NBA. So, like, I want to see if that translates into, into market cap at all. It's super interesting to see. It's kind of like, you know, like Jordan in, like, 1980s, five or six or something like that if you were to take off i just want to see where that lands um i mean the main takeaways to me from looking at all this stuff is like the hype beast craze the collabs all that stuff are drivers of brand at the subculture level but i they may or may not equate into sales, um, but I don't think they really do. I don't think, other than Yeezy, I mean, I don't know. Yeezy, Yeezy creates a lot of sales for Adidas, and that's all hype beast. What I was going to say is that they drive the overall brand sentiment and determine whether something's cool or not, but then I think to really grab the ultimate market cap, and for Adidas to really chip away at Nike, they need a utility shoe 
that performs better than Nike's utility shoes. You know, in 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 the mass market, you know, in the WalMarts, at the Kohl's, at the even Foot Locker's, but I'm talking more like department stores. Um, they they need something like that, I think, to really steal some of Nike's thunder long term, and they need basketball. Um, to be something that they continually chip away little by little at. They, they never have to really, I don't think, beat Nike in basketball, but they need to chip away because right now Nike's dominating them, hands down. And then they still need to win this whole, like, Jordan versus Yeezy war. And I don't know. We, honestly, so what I said before about kind of being on some bullshit, like, I honestly think some of his, his, his rants recently with, like, TMZ and all that have some good underlying thoughts. I mean, they're just conservative thought. Like, what he's saying is similar to what a lot of conservative radio and pod, uh, personalities and podcasters have always said, that a lot of, you know, I don't want to go down this road, but a lot of this stuff is, is a culture issue, not necessarily a race issue anymore, post-60s. So I think that's what he's tapping into, because I know Kanye West is into, like, uh, Jordan Peterson videos and things like that. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, I think I think people should listen to what he's saying without casting judgment right away. I just think he's a provocateur in his nature, and he's going to say some stuff that's super sensationalist, and I think that kind of might hurt his point a little. I mean, I'm kind of in between... Um, I don't really have that strong opinion either way, but I think what he's saying isn't some quacky bullshit. I just think he's somebody with no filter, no censor, obviously, and he's like a pure artist, and he's a very in-the-moment expressionist. And uh, I think he has some real disdain for the media, and that's why he lashed out at TMZ and had that debate. But, you know, I think his heart's in the right place how this affects his adidas sales i have no idea but it's going to be interesting to see it's interesting to see you know adidas gave him all this creative control and i'm really interested to see where this goes i think a lot of it's going to have to do with his album you know his album's going to have to be another you know kanye album you know he's put out really good albums his entire career but i don't know he's due for a clunker i guess i don't know at this point, he's, I'm, I'm surprised with the amount of shit he goes through. And just, like, the family he's married to. And just, like, that whole circus. How he's still able to, you know, artistically create, you know, pump out good, good music. I mean, that in itself is a talent. If this next album is as good as his last few albums, like, that in itself is a talent to be able to still... You know, block all that out and still, you know, tap into that that creative energy that he had his entire career. Yeah, I'm interested to hear it. I'm not really feeling the the song with Ti. I do love the troll song he put out, the scoopity poopity song. That shit was fire. But anyway, um, I might do another episode where I dig into this more. This was more just like just explaining my perspective when it comes to sneakers and how sneakers can be a representation of, uh, you know, that, that ever present effect between, uh, product and culture, brand and culture companies and the cultures that they're trying to market to. I 
find it interesting. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's it's all, you know, proof is in the pudding. You know, quality is always going to win. If Adidas didn't come out with Ultra Boost technology, I don't think they would have had a few years ago that, that spike that they had. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you still need quality. Whether you re-release that quality in different forms, like Nike tends to with their re-releases, or, you know, innovating, creating something brand new, like quality always wins, and being self-aware always wins. You know, Adidas having to take gambles on younger stars to sign, like a James Harden, you know, slowly chipping away with their basketball shoes and focusing more on lifestyle, where Nike came up a little bit short um, over the past decade. And that's a smart move, too. So uh, I think I'm going to cap it there. Um, I'm going to get back on my grind. I'm going to probably do another podcast in a couple of days, but I'm trying to release these on Mondays and get on a schedule um, and get some regularity going with these things. But it's still a learning process. I'm figuring it out. But I want to be consistent for you guys, and uh, I want to keep building this thing. So not rocket science episode four, four and a half ish, I guess, uh, in the books. Thank you. If you're into this at all and you're still listening, please subscribe. I'm on most of the big podcast distributors, you know, uh, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Pocket Cast, etc. If you're an Anchor listener, subscribe on Anchor. I think Anchor's really awesome, and I think it's going to be a, a really big, 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 big thing down the road. So um, to me, the most valuable subscribers right now are Anchor subscribers, in my opinion. So if you're on Anchor, please subscribe. It would mean a ton. And uh, this was fun. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Awesome.